A few weeks back, we spoke with Gary Chu lamenting the passing of the great David Letterman. Gary loves to look at movies, which he does on a regular basis, and after looking at them, he reviews them, and I know he's going to want to share some things he's seen lately, so let's have him come back and talk about what's been on the silver screen. Now, welcome back, Gary Chu. Actually, David Letterman didn't pass away. He just passed off the stage, and we hope he'll come back. Well, yes, indeed. Let me cue you up on this one. I was talking to a friend who said she went to go see the, the, the Thomas Hardy movie, Far From the Madding Crowd, and she said it was great. It was about character. There was no special effects. It was like the opposite of, like, you know, Mad Max. But I thought there, there's a study in contrast, and I guess, uh, I guess you checked out both those movies. I have, Doug, and uh, I like both of them, and I like both of them very for different reasons, and they had really different effects on me. Mad Max, I normally don't like... The CGI, uh, shoot 'em up Tony space gun explosion stuff and loud noises and stuff. Much time of movie very at all. But I went to see this because of the cast. Charlize Theron is in it. She is just a gas. And also uh, this guy named Tom Hardy, who is just really—I think he's going to be a monster film star. He already is to a degree, but I think he's going to get even bigger. And he's really good in it. It's, I think already like him better than Mel Gibson. So I went to see it because of the two people in it, thinking, well, I'll give them a try. And yeah. boy, was I'm glad I did. It's one of the most exciting, fast-paced movies I have ever seen in my life, period. Okay. It just doesn't stop except for brief pauses, and you swear you just can't believe how uh, the director goes with it. And when I was doing my review, I... I did something. I put put it on Facebook, and it uh, somehow Facebook you know, is always trying to sell you something. They popped up some B-roll clips of the shooting of the film, Mad Max, uh, Fury Road's the name of it, and it was somebody behind uh, off the set shooting, watching George Miller, the director, do stuff with other people and actors and stunts and stuff, and it it even made the movie even better because the stunts, most of the things you see happening aren't CGI. They're really happening. Yeah. I mean, we've got motorcycles flying over gigantic trucks, and they're all moving very fast. And guys on big, long poles that, you'd, you know, I'm sure the insurance ran high on Mad Max when they were shooting it. It's really a good movie. And uh, everyone I've talked to, I know the other critics, the other people who do movie reviews, uh, I think somebody in the Sacramento News and Review gave it a, a big popcorn box explosion, you know. And I agree. I really do. Then the other movie, like you mentioned, it's really different, and it's very laid back, and of course it comes from a Victorian novel, Thomas Hardy's Far From the Madding Crowd, and it's the third time the movie has been made. I remember when Julie Christie was in it, back huh. in I think the 70s, and then the, the one that came after that, I've kind of, I didn't see, and I've forgotten who's in it. But if this one's good, when we've got this Matthias Schoenertz, yeah. and he's a Belgian, he's born in Antwerp, and then we've got Carrie Mulligan. And she's been in a lot of movies, and she plays, obviously, the female lead, and Matias plays the other lead. Really a good movie, and uh, it's from a Victorian novel, and Queen Victoria was alive when these people were doing all this. Yeah. But it's the way it's done, and the, and, the, and the photography, and the landscape, and the 
shooting locations are just breathtaking. And uh, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, old English uh, love dramas are not one of my favorite kind of movies either, but I was really, really excited by it. Yeah, well, it's, it's, someone pointed out to me that, well, the person that was complimenting the movie said it was just great because it was just like about people and situations and there was no, you know, mm-hmm. no whiz-bang, you know, oh, CGI. No. no, there's only, a, there's a little, one little whiz-bang in it where there's somebody gets shot, I think. <laughs> and then there's also a place in it where uh, some sheep run, run over a cliff, which is also obviously in the novel, too, which uh, hurts the male lead in his effort at being a shepherd. Yeah, that but, I think that's frowned upon as a shepherd. You lose your sheep over over a cliff. Because <laughs> if one goes, I guess they all go. There's a new movie that uh, I'm seeing right away, and it's called Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. And I don't know very much about it. Only it just piqued my interest, and I'm probably going to write a review of that one too. By the way, what, let me ask you something. What was your favorite movie of last year during the Oscar races? I went to so few movies last year. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I think I think the only movie that I saw was Birdman because it was getting such stellar reviews, and I thought this is probably worth seeing. So when it wins the Oscar, it's, I can hardly comment on it. Well, let me comment on it for you. You picked the right movie, buddy. <laughs> it's the best damn movie I've seen last year. And I was upset that Michael Keaton didn't get the Oscar, even though I liked the other guy who won it. I thought he did a good job, too. But the one I really liked in Birdman was a woman who was up for nomination but didn't win, and that was Emma Stone who played the Michael Keaton's daughter in it. Just, I thought she was a knockout. And I predict she, along with Tom Hardy, are going to be really big stars, and she already is too, but I think she's really going to be big because she's in a new Bradley Cooper movie that's coming, and Bradley Cooper has got to be some of the hottest property in Hollywood these days. That's about all I can think of for the moment. Uh, there's uh, some other stuff that's coming out. I did see the movie Tomorrowland with George Clooney, Uh, It's a pretty good movie. It's got a lot of CGI. It's really quite good. It's a very hopeful film, very positive. It's a Disney film. It's uh, it's put good thoughts in young kids' heads about, you know, making the world be better and not just laying back and not doing anything about it. You know, it's it's that kind of movie. And uh, so it's a progressive movie, and and I I like it a lot, but it it didn't blow me away. Let's put it that way. Well, damn it. You remind me that I need to go out and and get out more often and go watch what's on the silver screen. So I'm going to do that. We'll do it, man. Let's go. Let's go see something when it, when you get a chance. Uh, invite me along to one of these these openings you get to. Okay, I'll do that. All right, Gary. Take Cheer. care. Always a pleasure. We make a scene about a man that's sad and lonely. I'm begging down upon his bended knees. I'll play the part, but I won't need rehearsing. All I have to do is. Always a pleasure speaking with Mr. Chu. In the last 90 seconds or so we have in the show, we'd like to report some good news, and luckily there is some from space. And no, we're not talking about the exciting pictures coming back from series, which are still being analyzed, or the New Horizons space probe, which is zeroing in on Pluto. But in this case, the Philae lander, which was lost to follow-up after dropping down on Comet 67P. After the harpoon device that was supposed to lash the lander to the comet failed, it evidently wound up in a dark crack somewhere. And soon ran out of juice and stopped communicating. 
Scientists have been saying for months that as the comet gets closer to the sun, the lander may indeed wake up if it got enough power, and it evidently did so three days ago. So the European Space Agency's Operations Center in Darmstadt, Germany, Philae is doing very well. It has an operating temperature of negative 35 Celsius and has 24 watts available. The lander is ready for operations. Evidently more than 300 data packets, I'm not sure how big those are, have been analyzed, and there are further 8,000 in Philae's memory, which will give the team information on what happened to the lander in the past few days. The little lander evidently needed 24 watts to communicate back with planet Earth, and it's now evidently got 24. So uh, we're expecting some data, we're expecting some analysis, and when we get it, we'll report on it here on the show. But we're out of time. And would note that this program was produced by Edward McMillan, as they all are. And note that we will see you next week at the same time. Thanks again to Gary Chu. This is Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett.